Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company and his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 55. Today, we're talking with one of our good friends, Ann Briggs. You might know her better as Ann of All Trades on Instagram and YouTube, where she's been active in the online woodworking community since 2012. Ann talks with us today about knowing yourself, homesteading, why free help is rarely good help, and how to get started. Anne has recently passed 100,000 followers on Instagram. She has a brand new YouTube channel that is sizzling with over 28,000 subscribers, and she will be a featured instructor in the Wood Whisperer Guild. She has been a contributing columnist for Furniture and Cabinet Making Magazine. She has been featured in Wood Magazine and is a contributor to Popular Woodworking Magazine. She also ran the woodworking program at Pratt Fine Arts Center in Seattle. She teaches fine woodworking at prestigious schools all over the country. And man, oh man, I can't say enough about Anne Briggs. (laughs) She is a beast, and this girl has major skills. Absolutely. That's why she is Anne of all trades. But before we get going, we do want to thank a new patron we had this week. We had Bodvin Custom Leather. Thank you so much, uh, Marius, for joining over there. If you would like to join the patron tribe, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. And get some really cool rewards and help support the show. So go check that out. Without further ado, let's head into our interview with Ann Briggs. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have one of our good friends. You know her as Ann of All Trades. We have Ann Briggs. Ann, welcome to Made for Profit. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Like I'm, I'm watching you. And Ann is a fidgeter, so she's... Bouncing, like literally bouncing up and down. And that's that's going to drive me. Oh, crazy, I was so. trying to hold still for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> she, I think that's a testament to how much energy, like you are a ball of energy. You are crushing it. Uh, start, congrats on 100,000 on Instagram, by hey, the thanks, way. Thanks, man. I tried so hard to beat John in a loving way. However, he <laughs> absolutely obliterated me at the end there. Not just like a, not just a little bit. Like I was like 2,000 ahead. And then just like 7,000 just, just went like no yeah. problem for him as he <laughs> I, does. A blitz to the finish line, if you will. I, I got lucky. I got lucky. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been amazing to see your journey there. Brad and I have both been fans uh, of your page for a, a long, long time because you, you've been on Instagram for a while uh, putting out high quality content. So um, it, was a, it was a fun little competition there. I'm glad we've both reached that uh, milestone and now... Now the race to two hundred begins, right? Absolutely. <laughs> that was the, that was yeah. that was your second comment. She's like, "Congrats!" Now we're racing to two hundred. Like, <laughs> yeah. So so Anna, just you're what we like to do, and uh, obviously, you know, we we've known each other for a long time, and uh, so I don't want to take any of this for granted. What we like to do is have you just give us a quick background. You know, tell us about. Uh, your your business, kind of where you come from, what your background is, what you're doing now, and uh, you know what your what your channel and business is about because you you've got a varied background, so it's pretty cool. So feel free to 
take a little bit more time because I know you've you've kind of done a lot of things in the past three to five years. So let it let the folks know what you're all about. Yeah, so um, I was actually living in Asia most of my young adult life. Seven years ago, I moved back to Seattle and I was working part time teaching Chinese and I had never had a part time job. I'd never had anything that I wasn't working like 12 or 14 hours a day before in my life. And suddenly I came back and I had all this free time and I was like, I really need to to find something to fill my time because I was just going crazy. And so I decided to start doing some woodworking and and some gardening. And those two things just really got my attention and I ran with them. I decided that that was that that wasn't just going to be a hobby. It was going to be my my whole thing. And so I pretty much went in, went all in then and wanted to figure out how I could kind of just get started and do that as a career. And so here we are seven years later. Um, there was a lot in between, obviously. But basically, uh, at that early time, I found a mentor who would um, just teach me how to do a lot of the things that I didn't know. Because, I mean, yeah, seven years ago was basically the the first time I'd ever picked up a tool. I mean, I grew up around people who did things, but like, you know, it wasn't something that my dad taught me or anything else like that. So, yeah, I just wanted to go all in. So started doing some projects on my own. I watched a ton of YouTube videos. Our local library had a really fantastic woodworking and gardening section. And I read oh, 300 nice. books that first year, um, wow. just about the, the woodworking and the gardening craft. And I definitely got a lot more head knowledge than practice. And so I think I've spent the the following six years kind of catching up and putting, p- putting a lot of that read knowledge into practice. So I continued teaching Chinese for the the next three or four years. And so during that time, I just had a lot of time in the shop and in the garden. And I kind of just realized, yeah, I want to, I want to do this bigger. I wanted to scale the project really big. So I convinced my poor husband who would love to live in a condo in the downtown in uh, Seattle to buy me a farm. And I had to get a second job at that point to kind of make ends meet. But right after we had moved here, I actually got offered the job leading the woodworking program at a local uh, craft school. And so the kicker for me accepting that job was that they had a fantastic blacksmithing program. And while I was working there, I would be able to take free classes. So I ended up working there for almost three years. Um, I took every single woodworking and black blacksmithing class I could during that time. And I built up a program that basically was the kind of program that I wish I'd had when I was first getting started because I couldn't afford to go to school or take classes or anything else. In fact, once I had started working, there was actually the first time I'd ever taken any kind of class about woodworking or blacksmithing or anything else. So those those three years that I spent there were really fantastic. Uh, I I grew a ton as a person. They really had taken a chance on me. I was their youngest employee. I was also like looking at my coworkers, very unqualified for the job. I was the only one who didn't have a master's degree in my field. 
and everyone, we would go around in meetings and people would talk about their museum openings and their show gallery shows they were having. And they were like, oh, yeah, well, and where have you showed your piece? And so I was like, well, my mom's living room is is just beautifully adorned with my pieces. <laughs> it's just lighting. stunning. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, I as I was doing that, my online business um, continued to grow because I was focusing really hard on it because still throughout this whole process, my, my goal was to be able to go full time on my own. And so two years before I quit my job, I started saving every bit of money that I possibly could. I saved up an entire year's salary within the those, those next two years by cutting costs, working extra jobs, doing freelance stuff, selling stuff. And I, I scrolled that money aside and I decided I was just going to go for it. And I, on January 1st of this year, I quit my job and I went all in for myself and I gave myself a year to make that money back. And so I feel like if I have made that money back and put that money back into the bank at the end of the year, it will have been a success. And then hopefully going on to year two, year three, I'll be able to have turned a profit with my own business. Love it. That is awesome. And so, so what right now, what are your main revenue streams? Like what you, you talk about your online business, but what I know you, you obviously do, do content. I know you do some stuff with, uh, with Mark over there on the, the guild, you know, so what, what are your main revenue streams right now? Uh, so I, well, I think like a little background too, is that the big kicker for when I decided to quit, quit my job was that I found out how much it was going to cost me to hire a contractor and to to build my shop so that I could actually have a place here. And I was like, I literally can't afford to go to work so that I'm not here and then be able to pay someone to do that work. And so really, it it was kind of the cost there rather than my uh, successful business that, that, (laughs) that really pushed me over the edge. And I'm really thankful it did because being able to focus on this has given me, uh, a lot, you know, a a lot more opportunities to make money, but yeah. So some, some big income sources for me are again, that the fact that I had that salary cushion before I quit was, was crucial because I definitely went in before I had actual, uh, money to back it up. But yeah, at the beginning of this year, I did a project with Mark Spagnola's Wood Whisperer Guild. And moving forward, we're hoping to work together a lot more. So those kinds of single build projects that that then give you passive income for forever or for as long right. as, you know, those things are really helpful. That that deal that I made with Mark was, was something that I was like, okay, this is definitely going to work. I'm also working to do paid instructional content with other, um, with other people. I'm doing some videos with popular woodworking magazine coming up and then some other things that I'm not quite ready to talk about. But, uh, another big income source for me is freelance writing and photography. So I write for some woodworking magazines. I do product photography. I, um, I, yeah, I do tool testing and reviews, those kinds of things. And that's, um, another thing. I have some long-term and short-term sponsors on uh, social media or for social media purposes. So uh, my my goal since I started all of this was to kind of leave a lot of the, the woodworking 
brands to other content creators that have already kind of established themselves. And I've actually gone after more, a lot more lifestyle brands. And so I'm sure we'll talk about that more later, but yeah, long and short-term sponsors are, are a, a part of my income, but it's certainly not something that I actually count on as income. And any money that I do get from sponsorships actually just goes directly back into my business um, because I, I think of those things as very temporal items. Um, you know, you, you right. if, if Instagram disappeared tomorrow, I can't be counting on the revenue that I'm getting from sponsored content on my Instagram page. Same thing for YouTube. And so those things, like I said, are just are things that it's great when I can get a chunk of money for something, but it's something that I immediately reinvest back into my business. I also have a book coming out um, pretty quick here. And while I'm not really expecting that book to become a huge seller, it would be awesome if it did. Make sure you look for it, guys, um, when it does come out. But the book actually opens up a lot more opportunities for public speaking engagements, which is something that I really enjoy doing. And I do not fairly often, but, you know, every couple months I do a speaking engagement and and those are generally pretty good income streams there. Um, Rolling out over the next couple months, I'm having planned sales on my website from pieces of furniture's pieces of furniture that I've uh, designed. And then there'll be educational content around those as well. Merchandise sales on my website and then project-based fundraising on uh, Patreon and things like that. So for example, later this summer, we're going to be doing a tiny house. And so there'll be some cool ways that folks can get involved if they want to support the project. I love it. And the, the thing I love about that and is like, and, and that's kind of, I wanted to ask that question because I know you have your fingers in so many things. And I think that well, you know, a lot of the people that we've talked to are like very specific, like they're product makers and like that's where the mass of their income is. Like this is a, a YouTuber and that's where the mass of your income. You've got your fingers out in so many different areas. And I always like to say that um, it's little buckets, right? And it's you've got all these little buckets catching all these raindrops and, and all these flows of water. And some flows are big flows and some flows are drips. But then when you add them all up together, you're like, yeah. And, you know, it's 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 diversification. So I, I love that. And I think it's a great testament to the grind and the hustle of like, because all that stuff, it's a lot harder to do all those things because because each one of those revenue streams is a different contact. Totally. Right? Each one of those revenue streams is a different audience. And so, you know, that it that's a lot harder to stay on on top of. But uh John, what uh, uh, you get a question percolating there? Run for it. Oh, I, I you think know what? what? I oh, I literally also just forgot the the number one income stream was actually teaching. So yeah, I <laughs> forgot about that. So yeah, I travel and teach a lot, which actually is awesome, and I love it, and it's a huge honor. I actually just finished teaching at Port Townsend School of Woodworking, which was just the most unreal thing ever because I wanted to go there when I first started woodworking, but I couldn't afford to. And so the fact that they had me teaching there is just unreal. Nice. Um, but it also, that that can't be a long-term income source because, you know, as, as we start to have kids and things like that, traveling is just going to get harder and harder. And it's in this business, especially, it's not hard to constantly travel, but, you know, everything else just kind of gets shoved aside in the meantime. And so yeah. the online teaching stuff is fantastic because, you know, you can do it from the comfort of your own shop and house and with donkeys looking on. <laughs> I think it's amazing how quickly you've progressed, right? I mean, you jumped all in on this uh, the beginning of this year. Like, that is such a short window. Um, we are recording this in the middle of June, 
And I mean, it's, it's ridiculously impressive. So, so hats off to you, um, for that. But I mean, were you working on this stuff while you were still teaching or while you were still with the school? I mean, uh, and getting the plans together for your shop or did you just sit down, um, you know, January 1st and go, this is how I'm going to get it done. Boom, boom, boom. And start hammering it out. Um, no, I definitely had at least a semblance of a plan before I got started, but I basically had decided in November of this year, I was planning on doing this all along, but I was, I didn't feel I was ready at, um, or qualified. And I think a lot of us tend to do that thinking that we're not, that we're not quite ready or not quite qualified to be doing what, whatever we're doing. There's like that imposter syndrome or whatever, but I, I really wanted to be sure. And I, in November of this year, I started hanging out with um, someone who is now one of my best friends um, who really convinced me that, yeah, you need to go for this. And so from November, I mean, it wasn't that long from, I guess it was October, sorry, not, but yeah, from October to January, I was, I mean, you know, working 20 hours a day trying to get everything all organized so that I, I could then go ahead and quit my job on January 1st because yeah, but it was, it happened much quicker than I had thought because I was, I was definitely only, only decided in October. Yeah. I mean, so for everyone to know that best friend is me. Um, we met, in October. <laughs> we have matching no, but, tattoos. <laughs> yes. I won't tell you hiding a bald eagle and a snake tattoo. Um, but no, I mean, I, I believe, uh, that was around workbench con, right? When we first got to meet each other, um, the three of us Stafta. in person, actually. And Stafta, yeah. So uh, yeah. it's been incredible to see your journey and how far you've come. Um, we talk quite often about a lot of things going on because, you know, we, we believe in the the ship rises and falls of the tides and, and we're all in this thing together. Um, but, I, but I love how diversified you've got so fast. What happens to a lot of us in business for yourself is you get a taste or a sniff of something that's successful and you just boom, go go diving in on that one thing until you squeeze it absolutely dry. Um, and I think it's, I think it's amazing how you've seen the bigger picture from the get go. And you understand that getting diversified, not only from income streams, but from your skill sets um, is something that's super important to the future. I mean, I, I, I believe you were just, uh, just blacksmithing, right? Um, like on your own, in your own shop, um, yeah. not at somebody else's recently. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on, um, diversifying your skill set as well as your business portfolio? Um, well, I'm a very, very stubborn person. People who always only see me smiling may be surprised to find out that, yeah, that I'm kind of a uh, a secret jerk sometimes. Um, <laughs> but someone once told me that you can never get good, well, specifically that I would never get good at um, some certain things. And so actually the woodworking thing and the blacksmithing thing and the garden thing are all just started out to prove that person wrong. But <laughs> all out of spite. Yeah, spite it's literally company. just a spite thing. Um, but it turns out that I totally loved it. And, and yeah, I think that having diversified skill sets, it really you really need to examine your 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 kind of end goal and i mean i always i always ask people what's your end goal what's your end goal what's your end goal why are you doing this if it's just for like a fun afternoon project go for it do anything and 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 get your dip your toes in every pond and 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 try things but it really is true honestly that that it is very difficult 
to get good at a lot of things. Actually, my name, my online persona, Anne of All Trades, is from Alison Krauss' lyrics. Uh, he's a jack of all trades, but master of none. And and the thing is that if you if you really do try to do everything, you you will be able to do lots of things, but you will be able to do very few things well. And um, yeah, so so just a word of warning there that if you're doing a ton of things, it's really going to be hard to, to excel at any of them. Um, but even though I do technically have, even though I have really diversified my, my skill sets and, and things like that, it's all with the end goal of becoming a, a craftsperson. So the blacksmithing thing kind of happened a little bit by accident. It was mostly because I, I have a really hard time with math and equations and seeing things in 3D is really, really difficult for me. And for some reason, when I started blacksmithing, it made something really click in my mind about woodworking um, as far as, as being able to see things transform in their shapes and make three-dimensional shapes. And so part of the reason that I really wanted to pursue blacksmithing was actually to improve my woodworking craft. And I had, I had, even though I do, like I said, lots of things, I have, my, my end goal is to become like a, an, an expert furniture maker. Um, and so I'm always, I'm always approaching other things with that goal. The other major end goal that I have is I want to uh, be a, a homesteader. So that involves doing a whole lot of things yourself, but it also doesn't require you, you to be a master at any of those things. It just means that you're resourceful. And so I mentioned earlier that I had uh, found a mentor seven years ago, and he is 97 years old, by the way. Um, but he had, nice. uh, he has still to this day, never once called a repairman. So you know, he's not an expert plumber or electrician or anything else, but he he knows about all these things because he's just put his mind to it and, and and learned all those things so that he could fix the, the problems that came along. So with a lot of things, uh, I want to try them, but I don't I don't have any desire to become an expert. And so I'm happy to relegate certain things to my friends. And that's why I have a lot of friends in the maker community is basically so that you know, I can dip my toes, but they can still retain all Do of the that. glory <laughs> as the expert in their field. So uh, do you do you find that because I think that's what we've talked about this on the show and, and uh, I like to call it the Superman syndrome is that I think that part of that and, you know, your mentor is probably a great example uh, is that when you there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of pride and a lot of honor and being able to do something, being able to like, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to figure out how to do it myself. And then you end up doing that. And that I think uh, a lot of us that have gotten into woodworking and, and things like that, uh, that's why, because we wanted to do it. But in the same time, when you pull that into a business perspective, that doesn't make as much sense, right? That's the, There's not as much honor in like being able to do everything that you need to do in business uh, or it's very limiting. It will limit your business and your growth. Have you found that uh, you know, as you've gotten into the business and you've started setting things up and, and I know we were actually just talking about it yesterday about the about plans and making plans. Like, have you found it hard to let go and to delegate and to do things for the business uh, in a way that it, you're not taking it all on yourself? How have you managed through that? Well, it is very hard for me to let go of control. I I am a huge control freak. And I mean, I, I want everything to be perfect. And I want to hold everything to a very high standard. 
Um, so that does definitely make it difficult to, to relinquish control. But the other thing too, is that if I'm ever having a really hard time taking a step back, I, I, I ask myself, what's the end goal. And for me, the end goal with this is that, you know, regardless of how big my business gets, how much money I make, like for me, it's not really about the money or the business. It's the scalability of my projects. And so I did this because I wanted to take on like very interesting and cool projects and then hopefully, you know, just be financially sound enough to be able to do that. Uh, and so I, I, I've, I've also coming from a business background, it's I also know that like I can't do everything and I'm not good at everything. And so to relinquish some of that control and outsource is it it's it's been something that's really important for me to be able to grow and for me to be able to focus on the things that I want because I suck at like website design and uh computer things I mean here's I spent four hours yesterday trying to make my social uh like marketing thing that you give to companies the media kit yeah my media (laughs) kit yeah I spent four hours trying to make that document yesterday if I had just like written one paragraph of stuff and sent it to my sister and paid her a hundred bucks to do it it would have made her day and she probably would have made it in 40 minutes so (laughs) yeah so just just knowing myself and knowing what I'm good at and what I'm not good at is really is really a good thing and humility is definitely very important and I will also say that it's it's really tough to to like, especially being at the beginning stages of my business, even though I've seen it have a lot of success really early on, it's really hard to, to devote funds to pay people to do things, but really free help is very, very rarely good help. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's really important to financially invest also just to invest in other people within this community. Cause another thing for me is that like, I wouldn't be where I am now without the community that has uh, raised up and supported me. And so, you know, if, if there's people here recently, I just did a little shout out on my Instagram asking for help with plan sales and like the number of people that replied to that and offered to help me out because that's what they're good at was just unreal. And so, you know, right now I'm actually wading through a whole pile of emails and uh, examples and I'll be able to find someone who's really, really good at doing the plan sales, I mean, the plans for my plan sales on my website and be able to hopefully like pay them a fair, if not generous price to do so. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I think that's a massive aspect of what all of us deal with in growing your own business is finding the right people and delegating tasks. Um, we talk about it a lot on the show because it is so difficult. I mean, most of us are control freaks. Most of us uh, understand what works and what doesn't. Um, and, and it's very, very hard to allow yourself uh, to <laughs> accept somebody else not being able to be up to that standard immediately. And and like that's one thing for me personally is, um, you know, hiring. We were talking about it a little bit before the show, bringing somebody on and that learning curve for them to get to where they are up to the standard that you want is it's so difficult to cope with that time frame because we're so used to being, you know, on point all the time, go, 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 go. Um, and to take a step back and learn, you know, that's, that's something that is, um, it's, it's difficult. It's easier in hindsight than it is in the moment. Um, and that's a huge aspect of hiring. So when it comes to learning, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's all facets of business. It's the you know the back end of it. It's the front end. It's the management aspect. It's it's hiring. 
there's so many things that go into it. Um, and as your business is essentially exploding, I mean, you didn't even have a shop at the beginning of the year. And now look at you. I mean, it's incredible. Um, you know, how, how are you dealing with, uh, you know, all the new things that are coming up on a daily basis? Because I know for, for me and Brad, you know, it's putting out fires a lot. Um, and I'm sure you're dealing with the same thing. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of fire putting, fire putting out in fire extinguishing, <laughs> fire extinguishing going on around here. Uh, yeah, there's, I, I keep a lot of lists. I make a lot of lists every day and I cross things off and actually I physically cross them off and I physically write them down because that helps me to keep track of things. But yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, it's a lot. I feel like I'm a chicken with my head cut off all the time. And the funny thing is that like, in addition to doing this, I'm also running my farm and it's, you know, it's coming up to to summertime on the farm. And so the farm is extremely busy right now. And one thing I don't talk a lot about on social media because of people's privacy requests and things is actually, this is a teaching farm. So I have uh, people coming to the farm quite regularly and basically all summer long who want to learn about organic farming practices and stuff like that. And so uh, in addition to trying to be a task taskmaster for myself, I also often have two or three other people that are here, you know, wanting to be walked through certain processes and we have people stopping by all the time. So it is a blessing and a curse to have have my whole business now at the farm because, I mean, that was the goal. I love being here. I wanted to be here all the time. I hated, you know, commuting into Seattle every day. That was really tough, with, especially with Seattle traffic. But there are always a myriad of interruptions, as is the case with anyone who's working from home. Brad, you understand that because you've got your kids and the the heart is to to be there and to be with them, but then also to, you know, be working and supporting them and those kinds of things. Right. So it's right. a it, it's a challenge for sure. It's a it's a balance. So and and this is kind of cool because I, we, we haven't had these conversations necessarily. And so like just hearing. So I. Do you consider your business like the way you look at your business? Uh, do you would you consider it more of a lifestyle business in the sense that, you know, I think, you know, John and I's <laughs> perspective on business is basically like, you know, conquer the world, like just go as hard and as fast and as far as we can uh, versus, you know, I, I kind of heard you say like your, your idea is like, you know, you want to be on the farm and that you're not necessarily trying to to squeeze every last ounce out of it but get to a spot is is that your is that your goal to be like you know so that you're are you are you looking at it from a perspective of um only taking on certain clients or certain opportunities that fit in and, and backing off and making it something that is comfortable and workable because you have so much going on and because you want to invest so much into what your interests are and what you're doing uh there's a little bit of both First of all, the biggest problem for me as a business person is that money kind of doesn't really matter to me. Uh, it was it it's it has a lot to do with the way that I was raised, basically having none. And so when, you know, I have always lived under the under the concept that either like if you have money, then, yeah, you do something with it. And if you don't, then you just tighten your belt strap a lot during that season. And. Yeah, so I actually am an extremely uh, ambitious person, and I definitely feel like I'm trying to squeeze the life out of it now. And I think that I see myself doing that for another three or four years. But my goal 
is basically I'm working myself to death now so that I don't have so that I can get to a much more comfortable spot in a couple of years. And again, it's not necessarily about the money that I'm putting in the bank as much as the scalability of my projects. And so I have some pretty big dreams. I mean, one of my more ridiculous dreams is actually to open a historical reenactment place for kids because um, growing up, there was one of those nearby me that was a huge, huge influencer in my young life. And so but, you know, that's going to be like a, you know, easily a three to ten million dollar project. And so I have to scale my business pretty big to be able to do that. And so there definitely is like, yeah, I don't really care about the money that's in the bank at the end of this. But there's some huge, huge, huge hurdles that need to kind of get me there. Right. <laughs> I like that. I, I think so. I'm, I grew up uh, just south of Nashville, Tennessee. So we've got a lot of, uh, you know, Civil War history, obviously, around these these parts, uh, lots of uh, big battles. And uh, we had reenact Civil War reenactments. So, you know, not not like the Williamsburg, but we have like Civil War reenactments. And I remember like, you know. I remember going to those and now there's a huge mall where I used to watch those as a as a as a kid. But yeah, I got I have a, a soft spot for that. But I also thought it was like like when you draw the straw, like when you're doing the reenactment, like who's like, all right, dude, you're gonna be the first guy shot. So yeah. like you're gonna be, you know, this is a two hour thing. You're gonna be cool for like five minutes and then you're gonna lay in the field for the next <laughs> for the next hour and fifty-five minutes. In the summer heat, no less. <laughs> in the summer heat in full regalia. Yeah. So just I mean, I'd be like, I'm not that guy. Uh, sorry, just <laughs> whenever I think of reenactments, I think of that dude, like the first dude shot, he just lays there. That's another so another ironic reenactment story, and this is this is quite <laughs> common. If you go on my Wikipedia page, um someone made it for me whenever uh a while back. But it has, shout out to the fact that John has a Wikipedia page. Has a Wikipedia, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But you go into my college career, right? And it's like uh, academic all big East, you know, first team all conference, <laughs> most improved player 2008. Uh, no new enjoy civil war reenactments on the lawn of the Cathedral of Learning. Just line <laughs> item right in there. And someone threw that in there. So that's super funny um, because I've actually never attended or been to a civil war reenactment. But I let that ride on the wiki page. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> so, Anna, uh, I mean, it is incredible, uh, how, how big you're, you're capable of dreaming and what you're actually able to execute on. Cause it, it seems just like if you put your mind to something, um, you make it happen and in one way or another, has that just been the way you've always been? Is that, you know, just mind over matter kind of thing? I mean, uh, as you said, your background financially, if you didn't have it, it didn't matter. You just, you know, buckled up and pushed through. Um, but do you think that comes from your background and, and, and the way you were raised. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we were pretty, pretty, uh, fi finances were pretty tight when I was a kid. So I started, I think I started my first business when I was six years old. So, you know, I've been kind of hustling since then. I, nice. you know, I got my first, my first real job when I was 13 and I lied about my age. And I, you know, by the time I was 15, when I was getting ready to go to college, I was able to pay my way through college without, um, getting into, into any debt, which was pretty great. I worked my little butt off all through there. So yeah, it's basically just, you know, it's, yeah, from the beginning, my mom's always been a very, very encouraging person. She never, she always said that like, you know, you can do anything, which I think is actually a lot of moms say that, but she actually raised me to believe it. And so she, there was actually a short period of my time when I actually genuinely believed I was going to be a pop star because uh, she had encouraged me so much in that regard. 
However, it turns out to do that, you generally have to like sing and play an instrument at the same time. So that was a bit of a challenge then. But yeah, it was like it took me until I was like literally in college to realize, hey, this probably isn't going to work out. But I genuinely believed that it would. Yeah, so. the unabashed optimism. I love it. <laughs> so, so speaking, you know, kind of going in that same manner. Um, so, in the beginning, when you were talking about all the different things that that you have your your fingers into, and and writing for the magazines, and and doing reviews, and teaching, and working with these lifestyle brands, uh, I think a lot of people are also wondering, like, how in the world did she get all these connections? And and you've got a great personality. I think you could, you know, strike up a conversation with anybody, you know, tell us about like, how, how did some of those things come about? Like, how did you get hooked into these opportunities? And, you know, did it just fall into place? Or did you push for it? Did you actively go out and pursue these folks? Like walk us through a little bit about how you've been able to make some of these connections and all these things that, that like, you know, people listening are like, that sounds really awesome. How, how do I do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, a huge, huge, huge part part of of growing my business has been basically about building relationship. And I mean, incidentally, I actually only even did woodwork, gardening, and those other things because people that I liked and wanted to spend time with and wanted to get to know did those things. And so, you know, for me, it was always about relationship over the finished project, and that's been a theme that I've. I've, I've carried through my entire life that, that people are always the most important thing. And, and I think, I mean, you, 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 it's really hard to force genuineness, genuinity. We're going to just go with a whole bunch of $10 Gen, yeah. words. Genuinosity. This, genuinosity. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> genuinosity. Um, but again, a lot of how I was raised is, is if you're, if you're like, it is just, you know, listening to people, loving on people, wherever they're at being, generous to a fault. And I mean, I, I hesitate to say that those are business tactics, but I've seen building a relationship with people pay back 10,000 fold every time. And, you know, uh, the business opportunities that I've gotten have every single one of them have been as, as a result of a relationship. And I mean, I, I really don't feel like I've been handed anything because I've worked my butt off since I was six years old but I'm also very, very happy to uh, immediately give credit where credit is due and to be thankful and to constantly live with an attitude of gratitude and yeah, just to seek people out and to love on them first. And, you know, if relationship leads to leads to opportunities, great, but that's never the that's never the goal when I start in a relationship and because I think it's really easy to see through that if you're only if you're only trying to be friends with someone because of what you think you'll get out of the relationship. I mean, that's a turn off from from moment one. But yeah, I mean, and it actually is really interesting. My husband and I were just talking about this the other day, but uh, I started Instagram because I was lonely and I needed I needed some friends that did what I did, because the more that I got interested in woodworking and gardening into to like a insanely nerdy level uh, the more that it isolated me from the community around me. And so I, I found Instagram by accident thinking it was a photo editing site, not a photo sharing site. And, yes. but, but that first week that I'd started it, I actually met someone who is now literally one of my best friends, Jason Thigpen, who does Texas Heritage Woodworks. And he Super and talented. 
Yeah, he's amazing. He's so talented. And he and I started our Instagram at the same time, started our businesses at the same time and have really like catapulted together. Like it's 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 been so awesome to to watch watch our dreams come true as as we've known each other. And so, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. So all that. Sorry, I'm, I'm so long winded when I'm nervous. Uh but yeah, no. So Adam and I were just talking about the fact that I think that literally everyone that I regularly interact with today, I met on Instagram. Wow. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a crazy thing that, and how that the, I've seen it happen so many times. Uh, and even, even like with the three of us, that that's how the three of us got connected. I mean, John sought me out on Instagram, which was awesome. He introduced himself. Um, and I remember following, you know, because this was back in the dark days of Instagram, right, of, of the Instagram woodworking community. I was the same way. I've told the story before. For the longest time, I just thought it was a, I thought it was like an alternative to VSEO. And then they're like, no, you can actually like share pictures on Instagram. And I was like, oh. And so I joined at the very end of 2013. And I think you're, so when did you start your Instagram, man? It must have been a little in bit before that. In 2012, yeah. Okay. So you you were already a bit established there. Uh, and, you know, back in the day, right, you had how many ever you had, you know, 2,500 or 5,000 followers, which I thought was like, you know, a million uh, back then because, you know, the, none of the accounts were really built up at that point. And so I remember finding your account and being like, oh, my gosh. And one thing we haven't talked about, uh, your photography is amazing. So if you guys have not checked out Ann's Instagram account, go check it out. It's Ann of All Trades. And uh, she just has on point photography, lots of fluffy butts. Uh, that is chickens and donkeys and alpacas, but <laughs> from the farm, great stuff. And, and, and you weren't doing as you didn't obviously didn't have the farm back then, but you were doing like hand tool stuff. And I just remember being drawn to that and then starting these conversations. Uh, and, and the same thing, it's just, you know, as you started these conversations and we talked about it in relationships and we've seen it, especially now, as you get things like work, Con or Stafta, which, you know, you get these events and inflection points that bring everybody together and that's when it all gels. And that's really cool. Or like, you know, I'm sure with you and Jason, like you just eventually talk and then somebody's like, somebody was probably like, hey, why don't you come out? You know, or, hey, why don't why don't we meet here or something? Like, I, I think it's so, so cool. It used to be so creepy to be like, oh yeah, I met somebody online. <laughs> and now it's like so commonplace. And you, you know, some of your strongest relationships are there. I, I 100% agree with you. And we really obviously support that and have seen that grow the community so much. Yeah, actually, funnily, it, you'd say creepy. I, my closest friend here in Seattle, actually, I met because she very, it found, found me in a very, very creepy way after she'd been following me on Instagram. <laughs> and yeah, she had a private account and her, and her account picture was a car. And so like, I literally had no idea who this person was, but she showed up at my house and anyway, it's it turns out it worked and now she's out. your best friend. It yeah, worked let's out not really make great. that a takeaway from the episode. <laughs> it worked out really great. But don't, yeah, don't she show up at my house. Yeah, <laughs> she definitely found me in, in the creepiest way. And uh, but I'm so thankful for it now. But yeah, that is definitely not always the best introduction point when people just show up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I, I love that aspect of Instagram because it's so hard to put, um, a, you know, physical presence between each other often but you can still have you know super fruitful interactions and relationships with people that can turn into something like you know we, we've all uh, been able to gain out of knowing each other um my, me and brad specifically with this show you know like if if you know instagram didn't exist neither would made for profit and um 
I think I think you know being able to build a strong net community around what you're doing is super valuable one, but then taking back uh, from that community in a way that, you know, we can all learn from what's happening on social for us. I, myself on the daily, you know, I'm extremely inspired by the people around me and, and I find, uh, Instagram is, is amazing for that. Um, and you being one of them, man, I mean, being around a lot longer than I have on Instagram, I've been following your stuff for a long, long time. Um, and, and <laughs> found it quite enjoyable to see how much effort you actually put into the farm. Um, cause you know, before it was just like a little, you know, chicken here or like a photo here. Yeah. Now it's like stories and you're like 17 mile hike with the donkeys. Like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm sweating, like uh, imagining all this happening. Um, and, and it's pretty cool stuff. So like, uh, so as far as like the farm goes, you know, I, I know you're, you're doing like farm classes. That's fascinating. Is it something that you plan on branching into the woodworking and having like a mini woodworking school on the property? Uh, it's kind of a tricky thing because of actually just honestly, because of safety things now that social media is kind of getting bigger and bigger. <clears throat> like I said, I've, I've met some people in some very creepy ways, um, he, here and thankfully nothing, nothing bad has happened yet, but there's definitely the opportunity for that. And that's something that I'm constantly getting warned about. And that puts a weird, uh, a weird sadness about this whole thing because the part of the excitement when we got this property was that I that I wanted to turn this place into kind of the dream reenactment place and 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 you know have classes here and and just invite people here but it's very funny because actually because of those safety reasons the only time that I can invite people here is actually completely aside from social media. So at, like most people, most people that come to the farm classes and stuff don't actually even know that I have social media or anything else. Mm. And so, yeah, so it, it, I do love the idea of having classes and everything like that. But the other thing too, is that even though I think my shop looks really big because I'm doing um, overhead uh, captures a lot of time, it's not, it's not very, it's not big enough to have classes in and so if I were to do classes, it would probably be spoon carving other things. But like actually now having kind of run a woodworking school for three years, I understand a lot more about the liability issues and insurance stuff. And it's probably not something that's going to happen here. But hopefully, eventually, I'll, like I said, I'll find some some partners, both financial and human partners that can help share the workload a little bit. And we can kind of get a whole craft school where you're teaching you know, all kinds of things like in all the homesteading skills, spinning and weaving and knitting and all those kinds of things. And then, you know, baking classes, preserving food classes, canning classes, woodworking classes, blacksmithing classes. I would like to have that, but it it probably won't happen here, which is why the video stuff is great, because it still allows me to share that that stuff freely, um, but still, you know, have a life and also be here and be safe and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so as you think about that and, and you think about, cause we had, we had this conversation a bit, uh, where was it? New York, I guess. And, um, it's really funny because we just like meet up in all these random cities, you know, so it's yeah. like, was, was that was that Austin or Atlanta or New York city <laughs> or we were, we were talking about, um, we were talking about the homesteading piece of it, as well as the woodworking. When when you think about that, I think the other interesting thing, uh, as you know, an outsider looking into your your business, is that you seem. It seems like it might be really easy to get spread thin, right? And we talk about focusing on you know going deep and and kind of the through line of the 
of, that we talked about earlier about learning a lot of skills. Well, the same thing in the business. Like, how do you how do you look at that? Do you see drawbacks or do you struggle with like trying to build the woodworking? Because trying to build your woodworking side of the business and trying to build your homesteading side of it at this point, I mean, those have got to be two completely different veins that that require two completely different work streams and efforts. Uh, and like I talked about earlier, you know, contacts and all that, like, like, how do you balance those? And are you overweighting one versus the other? Or are you just, you know, going as the opportunities come up? Because I could see that being really easy to get split. And that might be the same thing for like, uh, for our listeners about like product lines, like if they're building something and then doing on site work, like how, how do you balance those two and decide which ones get the most effort? Uh, again, I think it's all about relinquishing control whenever you have to. Uh, I've, I hesitate to say that it's like, I mean, at this point it's now, um, I'm a lot more willing, uh, to, to have other people involved for the last three years. I literally and physically worked my fingers to the bone doing just too much. Uh, like I was trying to do everything with the homestead and everything myself. Cause you know, of course my husband, uh, works in the tech industry and this is very much my, my thing, not his, and so if something needed to get done, you know, I had to do it or I had to figure out how to do it. But now um, I'm seeing a lot more of the value in like, you know what, if it doesn't, if, if I, even if I do it myself, it may not end up perfect, but then I only have myself to blame, but basically just having grace to let other people fail and be okay with it here. Um, I think that, I think that the, the answer to your question is basically just continuing to invite more and more people in to be part of the part of the process. And so I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but basically being willing to invest in myself and invest in my business and be willing to pay people a generous amount allows me to avoid kind of what John was talking about earlier, the, the catch up time, like getting people caught up to the process or whatever else. And, uh, you know, so if I, if I can hire someone to do something for me that just can pick up and run. Um, like a perfect example of this is actually, so I, I put in the fencing around the farm, uh, a couple, uh, I guess it was two years ago, maybe. Yeah, it was two years ago. And that project nearly killed me because I was also working full time. I was, it was also springtime on the farm. So I was trying to get the garden planted and all that kind of stuff. My animals kept like escaping cause we were working on the fences <laughs> And, you know, I was also like in the process of gearing up to quit my job and those kinds of things. And uh, <laughs> that project nearly killed me when I needed to put in a new fence this year, even though I knew it was going to be fairly expensive. I like called my buddy who has a huge hay farm and I was like, who's the best fencing guy, you know, and he gave me a number and I called it and I hired hired the guy on the spot. And I mean, another awesome example of that farm wise is shearing our alpacas. We used to shear our alpacas with our friend and it was just like kind of a fun thing. We'd have some beers and it would it would be an all day project this year. I was like, I don't have I don't have an eight hour day to give this. So I found the best shearing people and I paid them more than what they even charged to just come out and help me do it. We were done in an hour. It was unreal. It was still a super fun experience. We became friends. It was great. But like, yeah, there's sometimes, you know, just it's just worth it to pay someone who's really good so they can get in, get out, do a do a great job that everyone can be happy with. So it's tough. Like I said, if you're starting a business like my, my biggest thing right now is I've just hired a video editor 
because video editing is something that I really struggle with. And I actually have like a backlog of like 30 videos that I've taken that I need to get edited and I just don't have the time. So, you know, pony up the bucks because I think it'll pay off later to, to go with that. Yeah. Brad and I are in the same situation as far as uh, editing and the content business goes, you know, we're evaluating where our time is best well spent. And I think that's a great piece of advice for, for anyone in any, any size or, or type of business is, you know, where, where's your time more valuable? And, and for, for yourself, for instance, it's more valuable doing the, you know, the things that are producing income for the business instead of costing money, like building a fence, you know, that's something that, yeah, you could produce content around it. Would it be good? It could be. Um, would it be better for you to go and show how to carve 62 spoons in 62 minutes? Cause I know you're capable of that. Yeah. That'd probably <laughs> right. be a better piece of content. Um, and so, you know, Brad and I are doing the same thing. Um, I think it's interesting in the hiring process or, you know, vetting people in those situations, how much um, self-evaluation you have to do in order to bring them up to speed on uh, on what's happening um, and, and what you need them to accomplish. You know, how was that process for you? Because um, it's something that we highly advocate for our listeners, and we know you know that as one of them, um, is to sit, take a set, step back, evaluate yourself and your process in order to fill it with somebody else. How's that process look like for you? Yeah, for me, it basically, I had to put my money where my mouth was. And I think actually just before the show, I was telling you, you should never hire your friends. Um, yes. <laughs> because for me, a, a big stumbling block has been, you know, I've had a lot, of, I have a lot of really, really talented friends and I've, and they've offered to help me out and to, to, you know, to do things for free or whatever else. And the problem is that, you know, if it's, if it's not, if it's not paid for, you, you kind of, don't have much of a say in the matter. And because I tend to be a major people pleaser and I have a really hard time standing up for myself, I've realized that if I just pay, like if I, if I'm paying top dollar for something, then first of all, I have a lot of skin in the game because, you know, just like, I mean, growing up the way I did, I know the value of every dollar that you have, whether we have a lot of dollars or not, doesn't really matter if I'm paying top dollar for something. I, I, I've found it very important for me to, to actually do that because a, because you're paying people fairly for their time and you're valuing their time. Just like I'm asking people to value my time and to pay me fairly for what I'm doing. It also helps me to be the, uh, a-hole that it's hard to be if it's just, you know, a volunteered friend help situation, because if I'm paying top dollar, it's like, Hey, you know what? No, I need this. And I, and I paid you for this and I need it now or whatever else. Um, yeah. And you know, then you can have a contract, you can have accountability and those kinds of things. And so if you do, if you do tend to be a people pleaser, it's, it's really tough to make things work when you're accepting cheap or free help. I love that mindset. I've, I've, Never heard it quite put that way, but you know, as you pay up, you're not only obviously you should be getting a, an extremely highly skilled and qualified person to do it, but you're almost buying the right to demand excellence as well. Yeah, right? so absolutely. That, that's that is. I have literally never thought about it that way. That's a that's a great way to think of it because that's you know, and and I am like you, Anne, in the sense of. Um, trying to buckle up, you know, and, and and I had had a fairly fortunate upbringing in the sense that, you know, money was never tight for us per se that that I knew about it. I mean, there, there was probably stuff I was shielded from that I didn't know about. But, um, you know, I didn't have to go through that about about trying to grind and, and help provide for the family, which was which was 
very fortunate for myself, but in my own business, I do. And so like, I'm trying to squeeze every dime and nickel where I can. And I find myself doing that. I find myself evaluating, well, this is, you know, this, at this rate versus this rate. And I, you know, I know same thing. Like I typically don't ex- try to go for free help and not the cheapest help because there's just, those are just always fraught with problems. But I try to co- go in the middle, but at the same time, I've not valued that, well, hey, you pay more and you can, you know, you can kind of bring that on. And there's a whole nother set of expectations that come on both sides of the of the fence for that person. Um, that That's a great takeaway. And I'm I'll, that's definitely something I'll be thinking about after the show. Yeah, that's a really solid piece of advice. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying you you have to and especially certainly not encouraging people that don't have the money to go and just invest in ridiculous things. But I definitely really do value paying people a, a fair, a fair salary for whatever it is, whatever pro- product or process that they're bringing to the table. Uh, yeah. For, for that reason. And also just to bring the community up. <laughs> what I think is an interesting is how we can flip that thought process in order to put it in your own light. Right. Because when you start to acquire all these skills and you have the tools or the workshop, People that are friends with you start to come to you and ask for free help and they start to ask you for, you know, this and that. And and that stuff can nickel nickel and dime you to death. So, I mean, um, in a similar light as someone who's been there, um, you know, don't be afraid to tell a friend of yours like, hey, here's my price. Like, if you want me to do this, I'll get it done. Completely business transaction. And and that's and that's that, you know, we can obviously we're buddies or, or friends or whatever it is, but. Um, I'm not doing this for free and no, I'm not helping you out. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And I do it all the time. You know, my friends actually stopped asking me to do things cause I started telling them to pay me. Cause it's like, you know, I do this all day long, my free time. I don't want to come work for you for free. Um, and, 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 and with that, you know, don't be afraid to, to flip Anne's, um, <laughs> Anne's advice there and ask for that high dollar price from people who you might be close with. Cause Sometimes they might be more more than willing to pay you in order to just get the job done and do it do it right instead of you show up you know once a month uh, on their free time to kind of do it. Absolutely. Well, and further, it's I think a lot of people just don't know. You know, like everyone, no, a lot of people don't know the value of of what we do and and those kinds of things. Like you know, most people's dad or grandpa had a table saw in their shop, and it was no big deal to ask him to cut some boards. Or what, it, or you know, to make them a quick table because they probably weren't making it to the standards or the excellence that you that you necessarily would want to make it. Were you doing the project and were you putting your name on it? Um, I mean, I've I've had a friend ask me to make a bookshelf before and wanted it to be made out of mahogany and like <laughs> dovetailed and all this stuff, and then was like, so she's she genuinely was like, so that'll be about forty bucks, right? And I was like, forty. I was like, that'll buy you one foot of lumber without me touching it. (laughs) So, yeah. So, I mean, and basically just and yeah, basically just giving people perspective, I think, is often often helpful, too. Yeah. Don't be afraid to stand up for yourself, even if it is a friend. And and that that type of confidence that you can build an interaction like that will help you in business down the road, because people if you're selling uh, or producing things for anybody else, they will try to take advantage of you, even if it's subconsciously, even if it's not. and, and it's not meant in, an, in a negative manner. Um, and, and you could definitely take some some tips from your interactions with people that actually love you and people that you're friends with. You know, hey, no, I'm not doing this for free. I love you. I'm sorry. But here's a guy that can do it for 40 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and his, one, his name's Ikea. His <laughs> exactly. Name's <right> <laughs> definitely not John. 
Yes. One, one other thing too is, uh, is, is yeah, just making sure that people understand, yeah, the value of your time too. setting boundaries for me. What, especially when I went full time for myself, like, you know, setting the proper expectations for our local family that lives here and things like that. And basically just telling, like making them understand that, yes, I am home technically all the time, but that doesn't mean you can just stop by. You can't ask for favors like, you know, from <laughs> from 6 a.m. until 12 a.m. I'm working. So get me in my off hours. <laughs> <laughs> be over at two in the morning make sure you're awake yeah <laughs> yeah they, i think that's it's just a really cool i love your perspective annie and and just kind of the living generously piece of it too and and i mean i could tell that you know you've got a lot of of uh you know character and just living your life and and running your business in the way that you've been raised in a way that you see that that kind of you know, honoring that upbringing and, and how you're doing it and your work ethic. So uh, really, I, I just I think it's cool to see to see that you how you've built upon that and just kind of hearing a little bit more about your total story and about how that guides you through. I think that that's something that that people, um, you know, sometimes they get away from it. Right. And when you get into business, it's like, well, you're, you're just going to do whatever it takes to make it work versus building on the things that you how you've been raising and, and how the things that you've learned that have got you to where you are personally, those can also take you there from a business perspective as well. Um, and, you know, I just think that I, I love your story. Awesome. Well, it's uh, it's not, it's happened with a whole lot of help from my friends. I actually do. I definitely want to say too, that like I say about the value of, of, of paying people and things like that. I also will be completely clear that I have a lot of friends who are really skilled, who show up and help us with stuff for free all the time. I just wanted to say that. Uh, my buddy, Nick showed up in the nick of, oh, the nick of time and helped me finish my shop, um, completely for free. I mean, like he and I do trades and stuff like that all the time. We give him stuff from the farm constantly. And, you know, I give him tools all the time and things like that, but like, there's no way financially or otherwise that I could probably ever even pay friends like that back for the time that they've just given me out of the generousness. Good Lord with the non-English words. (laughs) No, I'm, I, I've been in a similar boat. My uh, my buddy Tank used to help me out all the time when I was getting into metalworking, and he still does to this day, and we still do work. And I'm paying him back now, I feel like, three years later after he, you know, forwarded me. It's the same kind of stuff. Like, you know, uh, if I needed – if I was in a pinch, you know, he was he was willing to help and, like, drop whatever he was doing. Um, we do all have friends like that. I, I, I guess the conversation earlier was more along the lines of he understands now that, you know, I'm going to pay him for his work. And to, to and that you know that that's our exchange, um, and we're still buddies, and we you know go to Steeler games, and and we hang out all the time. Um, but you know, there's that transactional aspect of things. Um, we actually got to meet Nick when we were down in Atlanta. Really good dude. Um, and and that whole aspect of your story, I think, is really cool. Um, with with him coming in to help out with that shop build because that thing was oh a yeah. Well, and the cool thing is that, especially with friends like that, another friend, by the way, that I met on Instagram is that, you know, when I do have job, because, you know, people are, because my business is not based around building furniture for people, it's more based around the content and the, the plans and the education around the things that I build. 
uh, when people want like a custom piece of furniture for me, like I have all these awesome friends who've helped me out along the way that I can then toss them some business as well. And I mean, even on the content side of things, I recently just had uh, someone who's a, a dear friend of ours has helped us out a ton on the farm, lending us equipment and things like that. They wanted a, a commissioned piece from me with a tight turnaround. And I usually uh, just say no to commissions all the time because it's just too, it just takes away too much from my, from my own business. But they, you know, they didn't have a huge budget, but they were able to pay a certain amount. And I knew that there was some things about the project that I would, that I just didn't have time to do. Like, um, and so I actually just was like, Hey, Nick, if for this amount of money, could you help me with these three things on this project? And he's like, no problem at all. So I gave him some money for that project. I made my piece of content around it. And, you know, the best thing is, you know, it was a welding project. So I got to do the fun part and then he got to do the grinding and the <laughs> and the finishing part of things. And I was just like, I just got to do all the great things. But, you know, just having him around to to help me with that project, A, allowed me to do a, a commission, but also allowed me to pay him for his time generously, which was great. And also got the commission done and got me a piece of awesome content and a piece of sweet furniture that I designed and built, but didn't have to do any of the nasty parts on. So, you know, those, those kinds of things are, are, are really awesome too. I love it. Well, we're coming up on the hour here and we've loved talking with you. One of the things that we like to, to ask our, all of our guests is to for some advice for the audience and, and looking at where you've come from and all the struggles you've been through. Is there a piece of advice that you would have loved to know back then or that you would love to give people just starting out down that journey to starting their own business or or anything like that? What would that be for them? Yeah, my best piece of advice, and I think you'll probably hear this resound through several, several other pieces of content, uh, is literally just to get started. Uh, the, uh, I mean, people ask me all the time, you know, what tools do I need to do this? What, what, what YouTube video do I have to watch to do this? What book do I have to read to, to do this or whatever else? Like a lot of us, especially probably if you're listening to this podcast already, you've already, you, you're, you've already got a, a lot of head knowledge. And the biggest piece of advice I can give you is then to take it outside or into the shop or wherever it is into your business and do it. Start making steps and taking little steps every day to get towards the the goal that you want to do. So like, you know, if your goal is to carve a spoon, walk out to your garage right now and find some kind of sharp object and start carving and then see where you end up because it's not about having it's not about collecting the right like Pokemon cards to be able to start. It's about starting stumbling and not being afraid to fail or, or, you know, to not be good at something right away. But like, you know, none of us got to where we are now by just like we suddenly woke up, you know, and, and there was a business and there was a skill set and everything else. Like we, we started by, you know, walking out to our garage and picking up a tool and, or, or a camera or whatever and uh, put one foot in front of the other and definitely went ahead and did it. So yeah. that. don't wait. Don't wait for, for that perfect moment because it's never going to come. Love it. And, and I think that that's also so applicable to even new stuff in the business. So some people might already be doing the business. And, and I know that we have a lot of product folks who are thinking about doing content and they're scared 
Uh, and, and that's great advice for them as well as like, just, just try it and see what happens. And then, you know, at least you can go from there instead of wondering. So love that, love that advice. We are big proponents of that. Uh, cool. Well, and we have loved having you on the show. It's great always to see your smiling face. Uh, so if you guys are not following Anne, make sure you go check her out. What, where can folks find you, Anne, on the uh, on the web? Your website? What's your website these days? You can find me all over the web at Anne of All Trades. So it's got, you know, my Instagram is at Anne of All Trades. My YouTube channel is at Anne of All Trades. And my website is AnneofAllTrades.com. Perfect. Making it easy. And that's A-N-N-E. So Anne of All Trades. Go, go check her out, Annie. Thank you so much for coming on. We've really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. I also just want to say, not to butter you too much, especially now that it's the end, but uh, the this podcast is actually a huge reason why I, I gained the skills and the confidence to quit my business. And so I'm just as much thankful for you guys. I started listening to the podcast last year, right after you started it. And I mean, just it's it's jam-packed full of, of solid business advice and just a whole lot of that go-getter attitude that I'm so fond of. So, I mean, if you guys haven't listened to all of the older episodes, go back and give those a listen now because there's, I mean, the the same 10 questions that I get asked every time I talk about my business or anything have all been answered multiple times in this podcast. And, and also you're going to get the tools and the tips and the tricks that you need to actually be able to to go forward and do it because if you're wondering why I'm doing something a certain way on my business, it's because I listened to it first on this podcast. So this is a really valuable resource, you guys, and I really appreciate you putting it together. We'll set, where do we send that check to? (laughs) (laughs) No, and thank you so much. It's amazing to hear such a, such nice things from someone who's doing it at such a high level like you are. Um, and we appreciate you as well and the inspiration you bring to the community. And, uh, and, and we really look forward to seeing uh, this explosion continue for you as you continue your journey. Me too. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Dan. We'll talk to you later. All right. We'll talk to you later. John, talking with Ed is so refreshing, man. I just love her outlook on it. I love the idea of living generously and paying that top dollar so you can also expect top dollar service, though. That's that's a great little insight. Yeah, I always love talking to Anne. She is such an inspiration in both her attitude and her skill set. That was a great episode. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, make sure you check out the show notes at madeforprofit.com forward slash episode 55. You can get the links to Anne's website and all of her social media channels. Make sure you're following us on Instagram as well at Made for Profit to keep up with what we're doing on a daily basis when we're dropping new knowledge, new products, and you get to engage with the MFP tribe. You got it, man. Right now, we're going to go engage with the MFP tribe over on the after show. Let's do it, man. Let's roll. Let's roll.